Hi, and welcome to the Grove Podcast. I'm Matt Battiali, your host. In these episodes, we try and bring you companies and people and discussions that we at Mangrove Investor feel are important. These are the parts of the business world that maybe you don't see every day. So we try and highlight nonprofits, private companies, and even some public companies and show you the good that they're doing. So sit back and enjoy this episode. And thanks very much for listening. Hi, and welcome to the Grove Podcast. I'm Matt Battiali, your host. And my guest today is Sarah Battiali. Yes, she's a relation. Uh, Sarah has had a long and varied career in building, deconstruction, and material reuse. She's been working in this field since 2005, and she's going to tell us the story of how she accidentally volunteered at a reuse center in Portland, Oregon. She's the creator of the reclamationadministration.com blog, which is a building material reuse news and innovation database free to the public. It's been up for 10 years now. Uh, Sarah helped to create Portland's groundbreaking building deconstruction ordinance, and she's provided the cities of Portland and Seattle with data, research products, and training. She managed one of the longest running reuse marketplaces for over 20 years in Oregon, and she's the author of several articles and one infographic on building material reuse and deconstruction practices. She's currently working on a policy guide for creating a circular economy through deconstruction and material reuse. Sarah, thanks for being with me today. Hi, big brother. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm really excited to do this. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> I want to know how you accidentally volunteered at a reuse center. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, I had applied to grad school and I got in, which is nice, in Portland, Oregon. And um, I was just coming off of doing some welding work. Uh, that's something I didn't put in my bio is I, I'm a welder. And I really wanted to be inside because, you know, it rains a lot in Portland. And I thought, <laughs> I'll, I'll volunteer while I'm in grad school and get my admin skills and my writing skills up to snuff because when you're welding, you just, you're just dirty all day and you don't really have to write anything. So one was a reuse um, organizations for paper and art supplies and things like that. And the other one was a reuse organization for uh, building materials. And I was like, well, reuse is just neat in general, so I'll stay. So what they did was they they said, okay, take you as a volunteer. We'll put you in the office, and you can coordinate our building deconstruction project. And I was like, building deconstruction? Is that, is that a <laughs> Can you do that? I had no idea you could take a building apart. No idea. So I learned a lot, and that's how I ended up in that. I just ended up being lazy and staying in the same place. Fifteen years in that space now. Well, I, I when I volunteered for our reuse center, they eventually made a uh, they eventually made a position for me there, and so I was going to grad school at the same time, and kind of it ended up flip flopping. Whereas I had been doing the reuse center for part-time and graduate school full-time. I ended up doing graduate school part-time and reuse center full-time when mm -hmm. they started paying me. And I stayed there for probably four years and learned as much as you possibly can about how to take buildings apart from the office. Because again, I didn't want to be outside anymore. <laughs> um, but what I learned in that experience was the people that I was working with were very passionate about what they're doing, but there wasn't anything that 
let them know that there's other people in the country or other people around the world that were doing the same thing. So essentially uh, what I created was a newspaper about other reused um, centers, other deconstruction companies, people who were taking part buildings and reusing them or barns and reusing them. So I would send out little uh, clippings that I found every day to our staff was out in the field and said, hey, look, you're not the only people that are doing this. So be proud of what you're doing because you don't get paid a lot in nonprofits. And that's how I ended up making the Reclamation Administration. I just kept collecting all these stories and all these, all these things from all over the place to make people feel like they were part of a community, even though they were disconnected from what other people were doing. So I decided to basically make a database. A database? Yeah, a mm-hmm. database. There's thousands of posts on that, on that website. <laughs> That's cool. So, so let's kind of get into the basics. So when I think of building deconstruction, you know, I think about our mom and dad, uh, taking that barn wood from that old barn and then using it as, uh, they, they used it inside as, as, um, paneling. Do you remember that? I do. I remember the splinters. <laughs> oh God. Oh, the splinters were a misery. But that's what I yeah. think of. But I know that there's, I know we've come a long way since the seventies when people were doing that. So kind of walk us through what kinds of buildings and what uses you get. Sure. Um, well, you know, it was only really recently that we stopped reusing things. And remember our grandmother used to sing a song about the rag man mm-hmm. and the rag man coming around to yeah. collect the rags. That was a real thing. And people, um, it was just not in their purview to not reuse things. And that didn't really come along um, until built and obsolescence didn't really come along until like the 70s and the 80s, maybe, you know, a little earlier, but uh, we just didn't throw things away. So we certainly didn't throw away buildings because they're massive. And yeah. that is one of the problems with throwing away buildings is that they take up so much space in the landfill. And, um, and we just can't afford it. We don't have landfills anymore that are big enough to, to carry entire buildings, especially if they only last for about 30 years. The average building, some statistics quote, really only sticks around for about 30 years. Wow. So you can imagine how much waste is going into landfills all over the world from that. As far as what kind of buildings and what you get out of them, you can take down anything. And you can use pretty much anything. So, again, a lot of more progressive places will say things like, and then progressive places like Europe, mm-hmm. 96% of a building can be reused. Um, and for, so everything from, like, the the toilets being reused as toilets to material being turned into artwork? Or the, is a lot of it being reused in its old, in its old capacity? Yeah, yeah, you could take a, a window and use it as a window again, or a door and use it as a door again, or you could take the wood from inside the walls or the metal from inside the walls and make completely new products. Once mm-hmm. it goes from virgin timber to um, regular wood, it's just wood, whether it's been used or not. And the same goes for metal. Um, really, the only thing that you can't uh, reclaim out of a building is adhesive, so glue are mm-hmm. not use, reusable. They have to go away. And hazardous materials like mercury inside thermostats or asbestos. Um, yeah, lead paint. We encourage people from reusing asbestos. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, PSA, all you listeners out there, don't reuse asbestos. 
yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's exactly it. So some things uh, are, are products for the rest of their lives or can be products, like I said, a window to an electric, um, maybe like covering for an outlet. All those things can be just reused again. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's people that their whole living, their entire industries are made based on reclaiming things. From buildings, so everything from sunglasses and glasses frames because they're really easy to take old wood from mm-hmm. wherever structure it doesn't necessarily have to be a building, could be a bridge or something like that, and then CNC them into you know sunglasses frames or glasses frames. And the great thing about that is they use smaller pieces of wood, so you can get a lot of you can right. get a lot of reuse out of that, um, and you can put it into production. Uh, or you have a cottage industry with people who are reclaiming different items to turn into crafts and then selling those. So you have this huge spectrum. Um, Fender Guitars makes guitars out of reclaimed right. structures. Mm-hmm. And I've seen in my area, you know, lots of reclaimed brick, you know, where they'll take down uh, some of the old factories. This, I was looking at one the other day. It was a it was a denim mill in North Carolina, big old brick yeah. factory, you know, and they took it all down and you could buy pallets of the reclaimed bricks, which I, I, sure. that makes a sense. A brick to is me. a brick. A brick is a brick. You know? Exactly. And actually, um, quite a lot of these materials that are coming out, especially the older buildings are superior to the materials that we have available today. So old, 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 they know that old growth wood is stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new growth wood, and we don't let our trees grow as long as we can't afford to do that. So, mm-hmm. But bricks, again, they're made from, um, it's not just the bricks, too, it's the mortar in between the bricks actually made from different material than they use today. So it's easier to clean older bricks than it is to clean newer bricks now. We put cement mm-hmm. in our mortar, and it's really hard to get off of that clay. But the old bricks are great. So, And they're also people who love they love the yeah. way they look. Yep. Um, that's probably why you're getting them correct. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. These these had uh, the manufacturer stamps in them. They were pretty cool looking. Yeah. Yeah. Unique. And yeah. A little bit of style. So. Yeah. Um. I I say that you know if you're into marketing for reclaimed products, it's a boom because there's so many different stories that can go with selling a reclaimed product, and that's mm-hmm. really what you're doing in that. When you're um, selling something, is you're trying to tell a story of why it's different than something you know, other product that's like it on the market. For mm-hmm. reclaimed materials, um, reclaimed products, you know, it's unique. It's environmental. There's a historical element to it. Uh, it's local, and some you know, you keep yeah. money in the communities. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily even have to be like designated historical from like a historical building. Historical could mean, you know, there's a house that you grew up next to in the 80s and they're going to take it down and you want that front door because you've looked at it almost every day of your life, you know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's an emotional connection that you have to that particular building. Same thing with churches and stained glass windows and mm-hmm, things like that. Sure. But it could be anything from like a raw iron fence um, that, again, was on a cemetery or something that's local in your neighborhood that you would like to have. You told me a cool uh, story the other day about the old Yankee Stadium. Oh, yeah. That's great. 
this is a good example to me of, of a small product that can earn a giant amount of revenue with very little um, re, uh, like uh, very little required to do anything. So mm-hmm. you, can't, you don't really have to do a lot of work. But anyway, they uh, took the Yankee Stadium down a few years back, and these guys went in and took some of the seats that they were offering up for free, took them home, and turned turn them into watches, watch faces and watch bands, and then sold each one of those with a number of a limited series um, for over 1800 bucks a piece. And mm-hmm. box and everything. And you'd get, they sold it as um, both that emotional connection and the historical connection with a piece of Yankee Stadium. And they, their tagline was something like Yankee DNA. So who wouldn't mm-hmm. want as a Yankee fan something yeah. like that? It's priceless to them. And of course they're willing to pay a premium price for that. And it's art, you know, because it's a limited, you have a limited quantity, limited run because you have limited materials. No, I think that's, I think that's such a cool idea. And I love hearing about people that look at, you know, because how, how many of us look at uh, a house being demoed and like, eh, it's just being demolished, you know, or even see it. That's the thing. People don't actually see those things very, very much mm-hmm. <laughs> part of the, the landscape you don't yeah. really even notice because it's just what we call um what is it not development but progress yeah exactly they're tearing down that old building to build something new and you know it, now yankee stadium is, is a little different because it's it's it is iconic but you know there are plenty of of uh folks with the kind of talented eye that can go into an old building that was maybe built in the forties or fifties or sixties and see opportunities like that. You know, it just, they just need to be given the chance. Oh yeah. There's, uh, there's reuse nerds out there that drool over stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> like our parents do with Farmwood. <laughs> yeah, in, exactly. In all the wrong places, but you know, their hearts were in the right place. Uh, can yeah. I tell you a story? Sure. It, it hits upon, what we were talking about, the emotional and historical connection and just maybe not even uh, what somebody would consider uh, a property or a building that's really valuable. Um, there, in, Cali- in Southern California, there was a, a building, I think it was a house that was in, like, I don't know, maybe built in the 70s. Anyway, um, Metallica, that was where they lived when they first started the band. So James Hatfield lived in this house and practiced in the garage with the band and eventually they became Metallica, this mega mm-hmm. star. And when they found out that that house was going to be demolished for progress, they went and got uh, material from a wood and he had a guitar made from the wood from his per- the first house that Metallica oh, ever lived That's in really cool. And he calls it Carl. It's got a name. <laughs> and you can look up and listen to some of his uh, interviews about how special Carl is to him. So he actually, you know, refers to it that way. And yeah, he rocks on it. But <laughs> I mean, it's completely that's a completely priceless item. Right. Especially to James Hatfield. Sure. But to collectors out in the rest of the world, that's priceless. Um Yeah, that's really Yeah, cool. I have another story like that if you want to hear one more. I yeah. really like guitars. And for <laughs> some reason for me that the lens of reuse Mm-hmm. ends up being through a lot of rock and roll. So huh. um, there was, there's a, a luthier that guy who makes guitars 
actually lived in Vancouver, BC, was reading the newspaper one day and saw that they were demolishing uh, Jimi Hendrix's childhood home in Seattle for the drove down. And he went through all, you know, the detritus from the dem- demolition and gathered as much as he possibly could. So wood and wires and nails and things like that. Mm-hmm. Went home and made an acoustic guitar from Jimi Hendrix's Hendrix childhood home. He used the wood and he used the wire pulled from the walls to make the fretboard. Oh, wow. That's in the fretboard. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, that is another priceless item made for movies. You just can't, you wouldn't be able to monetarily put it as a cost. Yeah, no. So, that's art. I mean, that's really cool. Do you? So, yeah, and it doesn't matter if those buildings are old or historical or anything like that. It's, it's an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have a sense uh, for where we are today in in the United States in terms of buildings demolished, a uh, percentage of them that are actually being reused or reclaimed in some way? Oh, that's a good question. Very little. Very little. Um, that's kind of the sense little. that I had, yeah. There's a lot across the country. There are lots and lots of reuse centers and architectural salvage. Mm-hmm. And Habitat for Humanity has um, what they call the restore. Mm-hmm. And the last time I checked, there was about a thousand restores across the country. Uh, and then, that's, you know, in addition to mom and pop places that do architectural salvage, there's always people out there who are doing this. I mean, it's strange where you find the people who are still salvaging, like stump, stump grinders and uh, you know, just weird people on Craigslist that you'll see. Um, but it's really very small, and that is one of the reasons why we had to make a. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we had to make an ordinance important right. for people who cared about this. We have really beautiful old craftsmen houses, and they're being demolished at like a blistering pace because um, property in Portland is very desirable. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a story that you could tell up and down the coast. Uh, but yeah. but Portlanders did get together and really wanted to do something about that. Plus, we're running out of room in landfills. Well, and it seems a shame. I mean, those craftsman homes are so cool, and they have such cool little appointments in them when you go in, you know, and they're they're just the little details in them that are just really, really cool. So if people want to support this, um, are the, you know, Reuse would it be through the through the Habitat for Humanity home, uh, um, their reuse centers? How, how how can people support reuse and deconstruction? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, if you don't like to shop for things that are reclaimed, then you can always donate to places. Mm-hmm. Um, the awareness helps too to understand. I there, again, there's a spectrum you can get. You can. You could volunteer if you wanted to, but on a different, that's the very, you know, basic level, um, being aware of that this is an opportunity. When you go and you do something like uh, update your home or build a new home, try to have some kind of incorporate, like work with a, an architect or a designer or builder that is open to using reclaimed items. That, mm-hmm. On a very personal level, that's what you could do. Um, look at companies that are doing some kind of reuse in general would be great. So Google actually, um, when they move into an area to build like a new campus or something like that, they do deconstruct their buildings and they do reuse Hmm. them. Oh, that's great. So you can, yeah, you can actually look for um, wherever you fit in that spectrum. Uh, 
and um, yeah, of course, Habitat for Humanity. There, mm-hmm. uh, that's good. Yeah, we have we have um, architectural reuse. Uh, at least one company that does architectural reuse. I just like to go and browse through all the stuff they have because, you know, it brings me back to my childhood. (laughs) Yeah, it's neat. I mean, one of the things that I really like about reuse, especially building reuse, is that when you teach somebody how to deconstruct a building, you actually have to do it correctly. Mm -hmm. One, because you want to get the materials out as full as possible. And two, you don't want anybody to get, you know, smashed by a building that they took apart wrong um is that when you peel back the layers of a building you get to see how it was built mm-hmm. and you can see people's personalities and how they nailed something in and this is maybe something that you can relate to because my grandfather was a carpenter mm-hmm. but you can see how they uh, put it together and how their minds work and for people who especially young people or people who are trying to get in, into the trades when you deconstruct a building you get to see everything. You get to see how it was wired. You get to see how it was plumbed. You get hands-on um, experience with almost each individual thing through a trade, framing mm. and carpentry. And it's a really great first step into if that's what you want to do, trade. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, Sarah, thank you very much for, for uh, sitting here and chatting with me. And I will do this again. I want to direct everybody to check out your website. It's www.reclamationadministration.com. And I'll put a link in the notes so that folks can find you. But uh, thanks very much for spending part of your afternoon with me. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, Matt. Have a good day. <laughs> you too. Well, look at that. You made it to the end. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, uh, and we're going to have a lot more coming. You need to sign up and become part of The Grove. Give us your email address, and we'll make sure you're notified anytime there's a new podcast coming down the pipe. Have a great day. 